So let's talk about some of these questions. I love reading some of these questions that you guys have because to me, if you don't ask the question, how will you ever know? And understand that a lot of these questions that you're going to ask now, later on, are going to cost you, you know, because you have to go to a practice management seminar or whatever. <clears throat> All right, so first question, how do you recommend networking with local holistic pe pediatric prenatal uh, perinatal providers? <clears throat> All right, so best way to recommend uh, networking with these people, uh, in my opinion, is to, uh, well, first off, have a great reputation. <clears throat> And second off, when you, um, when you have a, a new patient, um, find out where, thank you, find out where, what their provider is. And then what I did when I first started is I would send all these providers like, hi, I happen to be seeing, you know, get permission from your patient. I'm seeing such and such a patient. And so now we're sharing uh, this person. I want you to know that we're gonna provide top quality chiropractic care to the kid or to the mama or whatever. Um, and this way we were able to, and I'd love to have a conversation with you about them. So I would open this channel based through a, a mutual patient. So I found that to be very uh, helpful way to, to network with, with uh, thank you. A very helpful way to network with, um, with other providers. <coughs> That's loud. All right, next question, let me put this here. Very small right. Uh, how is your experience deciding between sports and versus babies? Okay, <laughs> so um, <laughs> athletes are smelly uh, and they complain a lot. Um, and they're always saying like, what about here? And what about this? And how about that? And you forgot this and can you do more of this? Um, so, and babies don't do that. Babies just like look you in the eyes and love on you and you know, just are the most beautiful things ever. So, but honestly, uh, when I first started, I was, I, I got my um, certified sports chiropractic practitioner certification right out of the get-go. So I graduated life 89 and by 1991, I was already a CCSP um, because I thought that's what I wanted. Um, but really it was Webster who sat me down in a seminar that he saw me at uh, in a couple of years later and said, Drew, this sports thing isn't really for you. You really got to go towards like autism. He, he said like autism, autism, autism. And I was like, okay. I, I took his word for it and I, he changed me. But, um, and it's a lot, lot more fun, I think. Uh, not that athletes are bad and you don't want to adjust athletes because I still adjust a lot of, I just like kid athletes, but it's a lot more fun adjusting babies. Um, how do you deal with making a decision about a job offer that is huge risk to take? Very far away, good salary, but expensive cost of living, amazing opportunity. All right, that's a great question. Well, first off, whoever has that uh, uh, issue, congratulations, because it's always good to have, th this is what they call a good problem, right? Uh, versus like <clears throat> some of your cl classmates have no opportunities uh, like that. So, th so this is a great problem. Um, the decision is how important is the opportunity? So in other words, uh, if you, if that being in that office is gonna give you training you can get nowhere else or it's going to give you an opportunity to potentially buy that practice that you in a place that you want to live in that might be absolutely worth it but if you're just going there because it's good money it may not be worth it right so the, so don't let the uh, 
at this stage of the game, money should not be where deciding factor or where it is that you go. At this stage of the game, the most important factor is where am I going to learn the most or have the most future opportunity, right? Because the money's going to come. I'm telling you the money's going to come. Uh, so don't make that the focus now. I have to pay back my loans. No, you don't. Not tomorrow. That's You will pay back the loans and you'll pay back over time, but you have to, it's about wait, making sure you're, you're making the, the best possible use of your time now, right? So that's, that, that was a, that's a great question. I like that. Yes? I have a question to that question. Sure. Yeah, and that's a great question. I, I think it's uh, both of those are very valuable. Uh, you know, if you but not everybody is technique driven. Like you know, if if you're if you have a technique like let's say network, and well, that's a very specific kind of technique where it'd be great to be with a practitioner who's super good at that that you can learn from. But diversified, full spine, like that isn't as a, a bigger drive. So then then it would be like the business opportunity. Um, but understand too, and here's, this is really important, and I'm telling you that this is how it really is out there in the real world. This is a personality-based thing. I don't care what anybody says. This is a personality-based thing. So you and I could do the same exact technique and say the same exact words, and one person could be super successful with it, and one person not as successful because someone's personality is different than another personality. So you can't say like, well, this person that does, does this in business, and if I do that exact same thing, I will get the same results. It's not necessarily transferable if you don't have the exact same personality, right? So, um, so and same with technique too. You know, Gantz said, why, why did he invent the, the technique that he did? Because his hands were gnarled up. So that's why he has all these odd hand positions. Because if you ever look at it, he had arthritis in his fingers. So he didn't, that, that's why he has all these bizarre you know, pl placement of his hands and stuff like that, because it made sense for his body. Now we've adapted it, right, uh, to our bodies and made it more uh, user friendly. But his technique worked really well for him and it doesn't work for other people because they just can't hold their hands in, those, in that position or in this position for chair or whatever. You just can't do it because your hand just isn't shaped the way it is. But that's a great question, great question. Um, how did you go about starting up your own practice from scratch? Phenomenal question. So, okay, I'm gonna give you the secret of how I started up my practice in New Jersey and here. I did it the exact same way in uh, 1990 when I first opened up in Jersey and then 2001 when I first opened up here. And if I was to do it again, which I won't, uh, if I was to start up another practice, I'm done starting up practices. Um, this is how I would do it. So, um, it's called the survey. You're gonna do a survey. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna walk around with your iPad or whatever clipboard. I use the clipboard, uh, but they didn't have iPads when I was doing this. Um, and you're gonna go to every business in the area that you are thinking about opening up. So if you look at like where I, my practice is, I have like 20 businesses in my little community and then I've got 20 businesses over by Kroger's and 20 more by Publix, right? So what I did is I walked to every one of those businesses at a good time, right? Like eight in the morning, nine in the morning, not like five in the afternoon when people are packed. And I said, 
Hi, I'm Dr. Rubin. I'm the new chiropractor in town. I'm going to be opening up you know, down the road over here. What do you think about this area? I didn't say, you should come to see me. Let me tell you all about chiropractic. Blah, 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 right? Nobody wants to hear about this. Right? Everybody, they're busy and they don't want. But if you say something like, what do you think about this area? They're completely taken off guard. And sometimes you get some nasty people and they don't want to talk to you and that's fine. But most of the time you're like, oh, you know, I love this area. It's great. There's a church over here and I belong to this church and I go to this meeting there at the church and my kids go to this school and I shop at this place and it's really close to this thing and you get these and, and just write it all down on your iPad or your, your clipboard or whatever. Write everything down. And then the conversation will, and you ask them a few questions about it, like what, which church do you go to and, you know, what, what school do you, just ask, you know, questions um, and, and make it a polite two, three minute conversation. And at the end, one, one of two things is going to happen. The conversation will kind of die out and you say, well, thank you so much. It was really nice meeting you. Do you mind if I invite you to my open house in a month when I open up? Sure. Everybody's going to say, sure. All right, can I have your business card or, you know, a brochure or something to have your address on it? Would you mind if I emailed you? No, okay, uh, great, thank you so much. And now you start a list, right, of all these different places that you've gone to and you've got the person's name and you have their email address, etc. What's gonna happen 10% of the time, however, is they're gonna say, um, and remember, you haven't mentioned anything except for when you first said, I'm Dr. Rubin, a chiropractor. Other than that, you haven't mentioned it. So now you say, um, they're gonna say, did you say you're a chiropractor? Yeah, you know, I've been looking to switch chiropractors, or I've been looking for a new chiropractor, or my wife needs a chiropractor, or my kid, and all of a sudden, now you, have, now you have a golden opportunity, right? And this is what you're gonna do. Once again, you have your iPad, go onto your calendar, right, onto your calendar app thing, and you say, okay, as a way of saying thanks for the great, you know, answering questions you just gave me some time right now, I really appreciate it. What we're doing is we're offering all the people who I talked to on the survey, we're offering, offering my new patient exam. Normally it's $160. It's just $50 if you sign up today. And $25, listen to this, $25 goes to the XYZ fund. And you come up with a local, you find a local community issue that someone is raising money for. So for instance, there's someone, unfortunately, who has like leukemia down in, in the school district that I'm in. And they're doing a, like a GoFundMe kind of thing. So let's just say her name isn't Karen. Let's just say her name is Karen. So we're doing a, we're, we're hooked up with the GoFundMe for Karen and we're donating half of all the proceeds to, to the GoFundMe for Karen. And they're like, really? You're doing that? Yeah. I want my wife to come too. Can she come too? Absolutely. And now, bam. And, but here's the key. You got it. The, my goal, and this was the, the goal that I came up with, is 500 contacts you need to meet. 500 in a month to six weeks time. So this was my full-time job six weeks before I opened my practice, either in New Jersey or uh, you know, down here. And, but if you meet 500 people, how many new patients are you gonna get from that? 30, 30, 30 new patients. 50 would be good, 50 would be good uh, and unusual, but let's just, let's just be realistic and say 30. I got 30 new patients in my practice my first week. 30 new patients my first week. And what happens is, whenever you get one new patient, what do they turn into? More new patients, because now you, they, you know, the kid comes in or the mom comes in, whoever, and then now you get the rest of the family in. So you take 30 new patients your first week, and then your second week, now you have another 30 or more new patients, right? You built your practice in your first month, you're already seeing over 100 people a week. In your first month.
you're seeing over 100 people a week just by doing this. And, that, and that's, how, that's like how you seed your practice. But you gotta go out there and shake hands and talk to people. Uh, now, that's hard for some people I know who are really shy and I totally get that. But so then it, instead of making 500 people do 250 or whatever, but it, that, this is a great, great way to, to build your practice. And yes, you can use Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and videos and whatever, but I'm telling you those work after you're in practice better than before you're in practice. But before you're in practice, you gotta build relationships. But great question. Um, what to look for in an office space or building. <clears throat> All right, so what to look for in an office space or building. In the beginning, cheap, right? You want the best possible price in the best possible area. So my first office in New Jersey was this itty bitty 800 square foot office that was already built out for a medical doctor who had retired. So I hadn't, didn't have to do anything. It was the leads were lined in the walls. The electrical line for the x-ray was already in there. That there was already chairs there. Uh, it was already carpeted. I, didn't, I did nothing. I walked in. I put down my two months worth of deposit and I was in. And I had everything I needed. Every, every piece of thing I, I you know, we started adding things as st stuff go, goes on. You don't need the, like the gorgeous palace of chiropractic when you first start. You start off cheap and little and you blow yourself up, right? So after a couple of months, we were doing so well, I bought chairs instead of the plastic gunky chairs that they had. And after a few more months after that, we put carpet down. And after a few months after that, we got some more chairs. And we just started building and building and building onto this place until we were busting out. And that's how you, that's what you look for is easy, 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 low rent, as, but in a, in, a, in a nice area, whatever area you want to be in, don't be in an area you don't want to be in, but be in an area you want to be in, but make sure it's really, really low rent to see you can, and then here's the, the best case scenario is like you blow out of the 800 square feet and then you go into another office, right? Or you build next door or you knock down some walls and go into the next suite or whatever it is, right? And the worst case scenario, if you have a, if things don't go well, is you just, you know, you, you can stop. But you didn't have to put this giant outlay. People are saying, spend $50,000, $100,000 to build out. Don't do that in the beginning. You just spent $300,000 to get out of the school. You know, put $300,000 to build up out of practice. Don't do that, unless, unless you have the money. I mean, you've got all kinds of money, then go ahead. But most, most people, like myself, didn't have that kind of money. Um, how do you adjust a baby that won't sit still? Um, this is a great question. And uh, the, the key to adjust a baby that won't sit still is, uh, most likely the reason the baby won't sit still is one of two things. Either A, they're hungry, so have the mom feed the baby, uh, whether it's breastfeeding them or formula or a cookie or whatever, because they're a toddler. Uh, and number two is clear your mind, because most of the time the reason that a baby won't sit still is because your mind isn't in the right spot. Your mind is all over the place, the baby is sensing that, and the baby doesn't like that. So if the baby isn't sitting still, you get up, you go to the bathroom, take a couple of breaths, come back out, and start over again. <clears throat> All right, how do you navigate the conversation where someone states you aren't a real doctor? <laughs> wow, that's a good one. Uh, nobody, okay, I don't know if you've, someone's ever said that to you, but nobody's ever said that to me in 33 years, that I'm not a real doctor. Um, you know, and what I will, if, if someone ever did say that to me, my answer would be, um, would you like uh, a lawyer is a doctor, a dentist is a doctor, you know, a podiatrist is a doctor. I mean, you don't have a medical doctor is a medical doctor. Yeah, that's true. But 
I'm not a medical doctor. I chose to do something completely different, right? I want to help people in a different way. Not that what they're doing is wrong or bad, but I'm just as real as any other doctor because I spent four years at chiropractic school, took all bunch of national boards, right? I studied my tail off to do this, um, and, and I love what I do. That's, that's how it, but you, no, nobody's gonna ask you that. Nobody's gonna ask you what grades you got. They're not gonna ask you any of this kind of stuff. They're just, there's much more of an assumption. How much is a reasonable salary to ask for as a new grad in an associate position in a city similar to Marietta? Great question. Um, the, the range of salaries for an associateship is somewhere between 30,000 and 60,000 is a normal starting amount. Anything more than that is phenomenal and rare. Uh, anything less than that is unusual also. Um, but here's the deal, which I say about associateships, is that it's not about the money. It is about the experience. Don't go into an associateship if you think you're gonna make some money, because that's not the point. The point of associateship is to give you experience, and unless you want a long-term thing, and then that's something that you will negotiate down the line. Find a place that you want to be, either A, with that person, or B, in that locale, and that makes much more sense, right? And the money will follow. So don't, don't let money be the thing that's pulling you, because you're going to be pulled in the wrong direction if you're only thinking about money. What are the top three non-negotiables we should look for in an associate contract? Great question. So <clears throat> top three non-negotiables. Number one non-negotiable is an escape clause. You've got to have an escape clause. Um, <clears throat> so what that means is um, any time in the, in the, in, any time during the, let's say it's a year contract, any time during the year contract, you can get out of that contract at any time with, let's say, a 30-day notice. Um, I just read a contract for uh, another person, and it said um, the person had a three-year commitment and if they left before three years, they'd have to pay a penalty. I'm like, that is absurd. I, and I told them, I said, that is absurd. That is absolutely absurd that you be, you're gonna pay to leave? No way. Escape clause means it, if you hate being there, the person's gonna want you there for three more years and gonna make you stay there, that would be a horrible place to practice. So there should always be an escape clause and not just for the doctor, right? So if someone's working for me, I. I want, and I will, would have in my associate contracts, I would say, I can let you go at any time for any reason. But you should also have the same opportunity that you don't like to practice, the person's doing the insurance fraud, the person's not jiving with what you're saying, whatever, you should be able to get the hell out. But be nice and get, give them a two week or 30, or them a, a two week or 30 day notice or whatever. But you need, that, that's the number one non-negotiable, is you gotta have an escape clause. <clears throat> Number two is you gotta make sure that whatever is said is also written. This is the, I will tell you the problem that I had with my associate uh, uh, job where I uh, only worked there for six months and got out uh, because my doc was a very nice guy and he promised me a lot of things, um, but uh, those things didn't come to fruition because they weren't in the contract. And what's the old saying? If it's not written, it didn't happen. So absolutely make sure that if you, and you know, like if you got this bonus structure, I'm telling you, you do this, you get this much, you get this, you get this much, this with it, where's that in the contract, right? That's one of the biggest uh, mistakes that, that I, I've seen. Um, and the third thing that I think is super important too is make sure that you actually get a contract because I've had some uh, 
uh, some other students who have literally graduated, flown, moved to other places, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I didn't say that. Oh, I didn't do that. Oh, we're not ready for this. Oh, they're, they're, I don't know what you, and all of a sudden now they're backpedaling and, and they move their entire life to this city to find out that, that it's not gonna work, right? So make sure everything is signed, sealed, delivered. But here's the key thing. When you're doing this kind of thing, you get your contract, <clears throat> right, from your uh, potential associate doc. Read it first before you send it to a lawyer. Don't have a lawyer look at it at first because you gotta strike out the stuff that, like, doc, there's no uh, escape clause in here for me. Doc, um, there's no bonus structure like we talked about. We have to put that. So get all that stuff, get the contract like squared away and then send it to the lawyer. Don't send it to a lawyer first and spend $3,000 to have them look at it and then have to add extra stuff to it. So wait till the, the contract is good from you and the doc and now it's time to show it to the lawyer. <clears throat> uh, when accepting a contract with another doc, should you get a lawyer to look it over? Absolutely, like I said, 100%, 100% get a lawyer to look over because you don't know how to read a contract, but wait until you guys have squared away all the particulars. Um, how do you recommend handling the transition of moving to a new state, knowing no one, but also wanting to start a practice while handling living in a new environment? <clears throat> um, it is not easy to start a new practice and to move, etc. cetera, uh, but the way you handle that is um, find a place that you love, right? So, so never go to a place, don't go to your hometown because it's your hometown, don't, you know, go places where you, you think you might like if you never visited before. Make sure, um, as I said to my wife when we were finding both our different practices, that your heart sings wherever you end up. If your heart's not singing, then that's, you're gonna have a hard time no matter where you go. You gotta make sure your heart is singing. Um, and I, I asked the other two questions already. <clears throat> All right, a few more. Um, let's see, when signing a contract to be an associate, what are some non-negotiable, okay, we just said that. How do you overcome biases from other healthcare professionals you hope to partner with? Um, the way you overcome biases to, um, with other healthcare professionals is um, you do the right thing. So if you do the right thing, you'll overcome biases. You give them, um, uh, like I said before, the first question, you send uh, a new patient comes to you and you see they're going to this OB, you send them a note saying, um, you know, once you get permission from the patient, I'm seeing such and such a patient, love to discuss this with you. You just be upfront, honest, do the right thing, do full new patient exams, you know, make sure that you're, you're really going all out and not cutting corners. Because the way, if, if I was, if, if I want, if I'm gonna refer to some, another kind of practitioner, I want someone who isn't cutting quarters. I want someone who I know I can trust. <clears throat> Last question. One of the biggest red flags in associate contract, I told you about that. What are you looking for in a contract works book, both sides? Yeah, okay, so obviously a lot of associate um, uh, contract uh, questions, which is great. Um, to me, the, the most important thing, like I said before about associate ships, is that you're not going there for the money. Uh, you're going there for the experience, you're going there for what it means, and the experience could be either A, with that doc, because of business, because of the technique, or it could be, I wanna check out this area. You know, I wanna learn about this particular city or part of the country. 
So why not stay there for a year, work for someone, and then obviously you're going to have um, a non-compete clause around that practice that you're not going to be able to practice in. But if you go to a big enough area, um, you know, let's say you, you want to go to New York City, well, there's plenty of places that you can go. And so he'll have a non-compete around this part of New York City, but you can go to other parts of New York City. Um, and while you're there, you can scope out these other, other places. So that, those are the reasons why you, have, um, why you want to associate somewhere. So um, <clears throat> that is